It's not enough to talk about where you want to get to. How are you going to get there? Bible says there was a famine in the land beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Abimelech, the king of the Philistines in Gerar. Then the Lord appeared to him there and said to him, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land which I shall tell you. Dwell in this land of Gerar, and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and your descendants I will give all these lands. I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham your father. Verse 6. So Isaac dwelt in Gerar. Verse 12 to 13, then Isaac sowed in that land of Gerah and reaped in the same year a hundredfold and the Lord blessed him. The man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. May that be our portion too in Jesus name. Verse 17 to 22, then Isaac departed from there and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar. The valley is a part of Gerar. He moved to a certain part of Gerar and dwelt there. And Isaac dug again the wells of water, which they had dug in the days of Abraham, his father. For the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. He called them by the names which his father had called them. Also, Isaac's servant dug in the valley and found a well of running water there. But the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, This water is ours. So he called the name of the well Essek because they quarreled with him. Then they dug another well. And they quarreled over this one also. And they refused to get tired. They must have encouraged themselves in the Lord. So he called that one named Sidna. Then he moved from there and dug yet another well. But this time they did not quarrel over it. So he called its name Rehoboth because he said, For now the Lord has made room for us. We shall be fruitful in the the land. Another translation says the Lord has brought us to a place that is is roomy and we're going to be successful. Can somebody say amen? Um, I want multimedia just give us different translations of this last verse. Verse 22, I believe. Just give us different translations of what message, New Living Translation. Just flip flip, flip it. That's Psalm. <laughs> now the Lord has given us plenty of space, space to spread out in the land. Give me another one. New Living Translation. The, the Lord has made room for us. Ha! At last the Lord has created enough space for us to do what? To prosper in this land. Another one talks about being successful. Rehoboth. Is about you getting to a location that is configured for your glory and your prosperity and your elevation where you arrive. The young ones will say, where I hammer. There is a place for you to come into your own space and your own glory. That's what Rehoboth is all about. And Rehoboth we know exists and somehow we find a road to Rehoboth. But we find that, that not everybody that starts on that road is able to finish it because the road to Rehoboth is hard. The text I read to you is about the son of promise that God swore about, God boasted about. And who would have imagined that his own road to Rehoboth would be this difficult? 
The text I read to you talks about all the things that happened to Isaac in the same land that God told him to sow in. Where God blessed him, he was still going to face the road to Rehoboth. And it was arduous, it was difficult, it was frustrating, it was exasperating. And yet, he made it to the end. The road to Rehoboth is so rough that many find it, but they turn back from that road and are never able to experience Rehoboth. My, my worry is how many of our brethren have turned back? How many are thinking about turning back right now? Why do they turn back? Is it not because they focus so much on Rehoboth? They talk about it so much. They're so much in love with the destination that they fail to pay attention to how hard and tough the road is. Can I ask you, have you not started a very good thing before and you quit? Are there not people quitting even right now? Imagine if Isaac was like us after he had to move to the valley. They found a stream. They came to dig what was his inheritance. And Pastor Tefer told us how difficult it is to dig in the desert for water. It may have taken nine months to do it because you have to go like a thousand feet to get there. And when they get there, they finally find water and it is taken from them. How do you start after nine months of labor? It takes you another two months or so to get back your strength, get back your mind, and deal with your frustration and, and the sense of failure and aggravation before you can muster up enough courage to even start all over again. Starting all over again doesn't mean you'll find water this second time. It is so hard. And it was his inheritance. Whatever you're pursuing is your inheritance in God. All things are ready for you. God did not make gold for wicked people. The wealth of even the wicked is supposed to be made available for the righteous. So whatever you're pursuing, it is your inheritance. But look at how frustrating it tends to become. That happened to the son of promise. Isaac. Isaac was the apple of God's eye. Isaac was the first son to, to release the, the patriarchs and all kinds of things were supposed to happen. And yet he his life was so troubled. I read you a, a quotation by Bob Harrison. Bob Harrison said, Between you and anything significant will be giants in your path. Between you and anything that will make you great, there will be giants in your path. The giants represent the problems and the confrontations and, and the aggrav aggravations that will create some sense of failure in your path. If you're ever going to make it. I don't think anybody can be more special than Isaac. And this was Isaac's experience in the land that God blessed him. If Isaac had gone to a hard place, you say it's because it's a hard place. Listen, you can be in the right place and yet things look so tough. And the natural thing is to think, ah, let me leave the road to Rehoboth. Man, I pray one prayer, Lord, for anybody who has left the right road to try another road. May the Lord open their understanding so that they go back and finish this and so that they can have the experience of Rehoboth like Isaac in Jesus' mighty name. Now, wise men like Rehoboth, 
But they pay attention to the kind of road that takes you there. And so they're able to prepare for what it will take to go down that road and to finish that journey. Can I interest you that some great people actually quit the road to Rehoboth. Moses was on the road to Rehoboth when he accidentally killed a man. And he would have thought, but Lord, I didn't mean to kill him. Why didn't you save him? Why, why not, am I now embarrassed? I have to run away as a fugitive. And the prince of God in Israel, the, whose birth was prophesied about to deliver his people, became a fugitive. Talk about the road to Rehoboth. He ran away to Midian, took a job of a shepherd, a prince, <laughs> shepherd. Married the daughter of a, of, 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 of a Midian priest that was not even Christian, a pagan priest. And settled down there and got married, had children in the wrong place. Someone say Rehoboth. The road was so difficult. He turned away from the road to Rehoboth to Midian and he almost aborted his destiny. And if God did not come to deliver him at the, at the burning bush, he would have died a nobody in Midian. My prayer is that we will not think we're solving a problem and abort destiny in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It took God to come and put Moses from Midian and bring him back on the road to Rehoboth. And even that road, when he's finally delivered them, it was so hard. Many times he said, God, I can't do this thing. I don't have time to show you all this stuff. He said, God, I can't. These people, I can't. I can't. In a certain place, he said, kill me. On the road to Rehoboth, he told God to kill him. Elijah did the same thing. He said, this thing is too hard for me. Just kill me. I'm no better than my fathers. These are men that found the road to Rehoboth. And wanted to turn back. It's not everybody that turns away that God brings back. So I want to sound a note of warning that we need to examine whether we're on the road to Rehoboth and then we need to take stock what it will take to stay on that road and finish it. If it could happen to Isaac, if it could happen to Moses, if it could happen to Elijah, why do you think it's not going to happen to you? I want to ask you, let's talk about Joseph. How many of you know that God showed Joseph the road to Rehoboth in his dream? He said, this road will lead you to the place where you'll be a prime minister. And your father and everybody will be bowing to you. You know what? He meditated on the destination. He never asked God for the road. Are you with me? Are you with me? How many of you know, tell me, which place was it that Joseph wanted to turn away from the road for, to Rehoboth? Who knows, at the point, the great Joseph, who boasted about his future, he wanted to turn away. There are at least two places. When he told the butler, he said, tell Pharaoh to release me from this jail. I have done nothing to be here. Where was he going to go? The jail was part of the road to Rehoboth. It was God that uprooted him from the job he was holding on to. He was holding on for a job that was supposed to be temporary passage to the jail, from the jail to the palace. He didn't want to go anywhere. 
Many of us sometimes would take a temporary blessing and want to convert it to a, ter- a permanent blessing. Two times, by holding on to the job, would he have gotten to his Rehoboth? I can't hear you. If Pharaoh had released him without interviewing him, just like I heard one of the Jewish guy, someone let him go, let him go. He would have gone back, looked for another steward's job and missed destiny. Because the road to Rehoboth, listen, you're here. You are no different from Joseph. You're no different from Moses. Just because God gave you a dream does not mean the road is going to be easy. Was the road easy for Jesus? At what point did Jesus almost quit the road to his own Rehoboth? Where is my microphone now? Who's got my microphone? At what point was it that Jesus almost quit on the road to his own Rehoboth? His own Rehoboth was to sit on the right hand of majesty with the name that's above every name and every knee shall bow to his name. At what point did the great Jesus almost quit the road to Rehoboth. You have to talk into the microphone if you want to. The road to Rehoboth is you talk to the microphone. He was in the garden. And what did he say? He said, let this pass away from me. Without that cup was a cup that was going to make him the Lord of all. If he turned away from that cup, will he be the Lord of all today? I can't hear you. If Jesus struggled with the road to his Rehoboth, what does that tell you? It's going to take a struggle for every one of us. We've got to learn from them. What worked for Jesus is one of the things we're here to learn. Jesus said, let this cup pass away from me. The cup, would he go back to preaching? What would he go back to? Somebody said what? He would go to Carpenter. That's real revelation there. Can you help me clap for that person? You know, some things God has delivered us from Carpenter. Because the road is now rough, you now go back to carpenter. When Moses said, God, kill me. And God says, okay, you don't want to go, go back to where you go. He will have gone back to Midian to be a, a shepherd to a babalao. That's what he had to go. If, Mo, if, 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 if um, Joseph was let out of jail, I said, what? Joseph didn't know how to do anything. The only job we know that he ever did about from prime minister was a steward. You know that when you lose your job, you can only go to what you know to do. He will have gone back to apply for another job. The road to Rehoboth gets so tough, usually people go back to their vomit. Bible says that it says the dog goes back to his vomit. Anything God has taken away from you is not right for you to go back to it. Just because it's tough does not mean God is not there. Somebody write that down. Just because it's tough does not mean God is not there. I want to interest you with a scripture 
And then you're going to give me your contribution about the winning formula. We're going to learn from Jesus. We're going to learn from um, Joseph, from Moses, and so many people in the Bible. We're going to learn something from them. But let me just give you one scripture before we go. Um, Multimedia, give me the New Living Translation, Luke 14 and verse 28. We want to learn about the winning formula. Me, I'm going to make it. What about you? I said me and my family were going to make it all. I'm not going to turn back on my road to my Rohobotho. I'm going to get there. We are going to get there. Can I hear your amen? amen. What kind of amen is that? I said we are going to get there. Amen. Look at what the scripture says. It says, but don't begin until you count the cost. Don't begin the road to Rehoboth. Moses thought that he was going to become the, 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 the savior of his people from slavery with his coat, with his Egyptian prince coat. He was, he was just feeling good. He didn't know that 40 years in the wilderness. Can you wear a coat in the wilderness? 40 years. You know, when he was separating the fight, he was, he was coming with his robe. He was coming with his uh, the king's court um, uh, elocution and pronunciation and grammar and was talking he felt that's how the job was going to be listen the road to Rehoboth there is not, you can't be cool on that road it's going to get rough I said the road to Rehoboth is rough but it's going to be worth it because we're going to get there in Jesus name so when, what, what is the formula that we need to know when the Bible says, don't begin until you have counted the cost. What are the things that amount to the formula that will help us start and finish the race? The Bible says, run to win. It says, don't run anyhow. Run to win. If you're going to go on the road to Rehoboth, go with the formula that will cause you to win. We will not be losers in Jesus' name. I want to hear from somebody, anybody. What can you think you have learned from some of the Bible, Bible examples I've given you that enables us to plow through anything that the road to Rehoboth will throw at us? Imagine an Isaac. What made him keep digging? There's no guarantee that he was going to find another well of water. And there's no guarantee that they will not fight over it. How does a man keep doing that? You keep doing something, you succeed and they rubbish it. How, what was going on in his mind? What did he know that helped him stay until he got to Rehoboth? We want to learn from each other. Okay, Mr. Shema, let's hear you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Uh, I would say one of the ways as complete faith in the nature and person of God. Mm -hmm. Bible says that Sarah judged God faithful. Mm -hmm. Even when Jesus Christ said, not my will, but yours be done. There's just an absolute faith that God is too faithful to leave me here. That he, he who began a good work in me, he's faithful to complete it to the very end. So it's just that faith that no matter how it looks right now, I just trust that God has a purpose for this and God will send me through it. So I think faith in God. What are your hands doing? Help me appreciate Minister Shema there. You know, it's hard for you to continue on a journey when you let the devil convince you that God is not with you. The fastest way to quit is when you convince yourself that God cannot be here. I said just because it's difficult does not mean God is not there. You know, we've heard a lot of soft gospel. 
Some people preach to us that your life should be sweet. Your life should be good. And so when you have difficulty, you tend to equate it to the absence of God. No. When Jesus was on the cross, it says, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, my Lord, my God, why have you forsaken me? Did God answer? No. Because that's part of the plan. That is part of the journey to Rehoboth. So, let nobody be confused anymore that just because something is hard does not mean that God is not there. All you need to know is to be sure that this is still the path that God wants me to pass. And it is only going to be a transition that will not be your end in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Glory to God. When Jesus got to Gethsemane, he saw a glimpse of the pain and the shame that was waiting for him. And he prayed a prayer to God. If it were possible, let this cup pass away from me. God didn't answer that prayer. When you are going to Rehoboth, you are going to say some foolish prayers, God will not answer. Because God wants you so much to get to Rehoboth because that's what's going to answer all your questions. That asking him those questions, see, sometimes God is quiet. It's better God is quiet than to rebuke you. Hello. You, you know the only answer Jesus got? An angel was sent from who? His father. To do what? To comfort him. To encourage him. Because his, his sweat was, the Bible says, like great droplets of blood. The angel didn't come to say, your, your prayer has been answered. Just like Daniel prayed and God sent an angel to say your prayer. He said, no, no, I only came to encourage you. Can I tell you something? When you're on the road to Rehoboth, if you pray any prayer that is not in line with your destiny, God will pretend as if he didn't hear. But somewhere along the line, he will send somebody, it may be an angel, maybe a human being, it may be a mom, it may be a woman, it may be a child, to come and strengthen you and comfort you. Somebody ought to be glad for what I'm saying. God will never leave you in a hard place. Knowing that you're falling apart, he's a father. He knows what he wants of you. Rehoboth is waiting for you. So instead of letting you break down, but the sad thing is that many of us turn our back on the help of God. We turn our back on the comfort of God because what you want is to exit. And because God is not giving you the exit, you turn your back on what God wants to give you. What would happen to such a person? If Jesus turned his back on the angel, what will have happened? The angel will go. How would he have endured the cross? Many of us are forsaking the help of God because we think what is coming is not what we want, but what is coming is what you really need. I want to pray one prayer at this point, oh Lord. If at any point in time any one of us have turned our back on the help, that coming from God, that will help us get to Rehoboth. Father, have mercy on us. Forgive that foolishness. And now that we're learning, send that help again so that we can receive it and match on to the glory called Rehoboth in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. 
How did Isaac do it? Is your hand up? Please give ambassador the microphone. How did he do it? How did he persevere? When success ended up in... Can you imagine? You found water and at the end of the day, you have no water to show. You found water, you have nothing to show for it. Now, how do you convince people that you found water? It is so embarrassing. They, they probably say you're lying. Oh, okay, God, you didn't find any water. How come it's only you? You say you find water. We can't drink from anywhere. I'm sure some of you can relate to what I'm saying. You believe God is with you, but you cannot show proof. How do you keep going? Let's hear from Ambassador. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Uh, when Shindra, uh, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into the, the, uh, the burning furnace, you know, they have the confidence and because of their steadfastness in the Lord that they serve, they even told the king, they said, even though if the, uh, the Lord that they serve, that is not going to deliver them, they are ready to go for it. So, many a times, when some of us, the road we are passing, we seem tired that, ah, how can I face this type of this thing? And not knowing that when we have the confidence in, the, in God that we serve, it will take us to the end of the road. Thank you. Thank you. Come on, let's uh, bless him for that contribution. You know, I heard something that he said. I hope you heard it too. He said, when you are tired. How many of us have reached a point you are tired? Let me see your hand up. Let heaven see your hand up. You try, you don't tire. That's the point Satan will tell you, this road will not pay you. That's the point you say, it will not work. Why do you want to dig another well? All your shovels are broken. All your hands are blistered. All your men are tired. What are you talking about? Move somewhere else, forgetting that it is in Gerar that God told you to stay. Tiredness is one thing we need to talk about if we're going to flip it on the other side so it will become a winning formula. The problem will be tiredness. If you take a problem, flip it the other way, you get a solution. What is the cure for tiredness? Yes, young pastor. What's the cure for tiredness? Yeah. Like, um, for example, the, let's look at the story of Naaman. Now, I think the cure for tiredness is relationship with the right people and with the right mentality. What are your hands doing? Because One of the ways you deal with tiredness is relating with the right kind of people. What do they do for you? Please tell us. Like the story of Naaman. When Naaman went with his servants to Elisha, now only for him to get there, traveling a long distance, and Elisha didn't come out. Now that shows that a meaningless silence is better than... A, a meaningful silence is better than a meaningless word. So therefore, when Naaman decided to go back after coming along, his servant told him that, what if he had told you to do this and do that? And he considered and related with a servant that, okay, fine, since it's just to dip myself in the water, then let me go and do it. Now, he went to the water, and the Bible says that his skin was as fresh as a newborn baby. So, he had the right person with him, with the right mentality to kill. What are your hands doing? In the place of tiredness, the worst thing you can do is to be alone. Listen, you know when you're tired, you start to grieve. 
From grieving, you get into depression. From depression, I don't know what you'll do. Because when things are rough, the worst place to be is to be alone. Satan will have a field day. He will add pepper to what is there. He will add salt to it. The only voice you will hear is a voice of wickedness. How your situation is worse. How it can get better. But if you keep the company of good people. The Bible says, iron sharpened iron. As a man sharpens the countenance. The feeling of his friend. You cannot be with the wrong people when you are down. Look at Job. He was down. Look at the nonsense his so-called friends were saying. They were not good friends. But the question is, will you be a good friend when somebody is down? Who is on the road to Rehoboth? Or will you be judging the person the way Job's friends were judging him? You must have sinned. You must have done that. Listen, can we stop doing this thing? Church people, you don't have all the information. Don't judge. Bible says, who are you to judge another man's servant? All you need to do is show compassion and pray and let God, who is the judge of all, decide what to do. It's not your job to hammer anybody. That's the work of Satan. The most you can do is, I don't know, but let's pray. God will show up for you. Don't despair, my brother. I have been in this kind of situation before. You know, most of us that have been through something, when we see somebody going through it, we now pretend as if we have never been through it. Some people that have money now, the way they posture as if they have never begged for money before. You, you, just because you are broke now, you want to die. You want to hide. Because they will just come with a jeep and so on. And they will splash water on you. So this same person used to beg. For money to enter Kekemara before. Now that you're right. That's when you come out of your car and say, listen, let me show you my picture. I've been down there before. God is good. God is able. Come on now. The company you keep matters. That's why Jesus was so broken. When he was, he, when he was tired of the road to lead to uh, Rehoboth at Calvary, he said, my friends, when I told you to stay with me in prayer, you are sleeping. May we not be with friends that will really disappoint us on the day we need help. Naaman had good boys. They saw their ogre broken down. They rode with him from Syria to go and meet Elisha. They too were tired, but they found a little strength. Say, His situation is worse than mine. He's the one that has leprosy. Say, oh God, it's not like that. Don't be annoyed. The man doesn't mean anything. He just said, do so, 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 so. They preached to him hope. They preached to him encouragement. They renewed his strength. They refreshed him. May we have friends. May we be friends like that too in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Tiredness is a terrible thing. When people are tired, they even quarrel with God. They say things they should not say. What do you think happened to Elisha? Elijah when he said, God, kill me. He was tired. Trouble after trouble. Accusation after accusation. He was tired. He was the same one that called fire from heaven. Listen, don't judge a man by the exploit he has been through. Look at the present situation. And don't feel so big headed because you think you're doing good in one area. Another challenge can bring you down in another area. You won't even remember the strength that you had. 
The road to Rehoboth is a place, you see, because all of us are on that road. You know what you should remember right now? Be a friend to the next person because everybody is on one road to Rehoboth or the other. If what you sow is what you reap, when you see somebody down and you are judging, when you are down too, that is how you will reap it. But that will not be our portion in Jesus' name. What are your hands doing? Come on. We're talking about the winning formula for that tough road. It's like somebody saying, how do you go through Sambisa Forest? We know that the herdsmen are there. Sambisa Forest. Will you start a journey in Sambisa Forest without having a plan? Will you do it? And it's the same thing. You have to arm yourself. He said, don't start until you have examined the road. What formula do you have? Tiredness now, we know how to deal with tiredness. Help me look at your neighbor and say, can, can I trust you to be a friend when I'm tired? Look the person I, look the person well, well for me. Say, can I trust you to be a friend when I'm tired? Going back to Isaac, we're talking about the formula. When Isaac, when people you didn't offend saw you digging for nine months, they didn't say anything. They didn't warn you that when you finish this thing, we're going to pour some sand back inside. Oh, that just stop it, save yourself, go somewhere. They let you exhaust yourself. They first poured sand back and, and rubbish into some wells. Then this one, there, yeah, you found water, they took it from you. When they did it the second time, as a Nigerian, come on now, as Nigerians, won't you shine eye for them? I said, won't you shine eye for them? Okay, what will you do? Somebody tell me, what will you do? Talk through, what will you have done? What did she say? We go die here. Help me clap for her. That's a real Nigerian. I say, me and you, we go die here. This water, Nalayo, forget it. Some of you are now forming in church. Uh, I will not say anything. Look at you. Small money that they took from you, you'd remove shit. You know what a well is? A well is like you having a million dollars in those days. It's like somebody took your one million dollars. You are now forming for me. Uh, pastor, I'll just be praying in the Holy Ghost. Nalayo. You first break bottle self. Say, ah, one million dollars. Can somebody take one million dollars that you labored for? And six months later, you start all over again. And they take that one too. You start again. Even ten thousand. Look at you. You will barrage for ten thousand. And so, what do we learn from Isaac? How can somebody take a million dollars for you? There's no record that he fought with them. You know, our nature as Nigerians need to go through the born again process. Many times we're too volatile. We fight too easily. Isaac did not fight. What do you think was going on in his mind? Shema, what do you think? Hey, okay, awesome. What do you think was going on in his mind? May the Lord renew the mind of Nigerians in Jesus' name.
Please don't turn off the microphone. Just leave it on permanently. The Lord told Isaac, mm-hmm. he said, don't leave this land. That's don't true. go to Egypt. Don't go to Egypt, yes. I will bless you in this land. Yes. So, now, um, Isaac started digging wells. Yeah. If he had fought with them, then they might as well chase him out of the land. Correct. So he was using wisdom. Ooh. How do I remain in the, on the land? How do, I, how do I remain in the land? And um, to make peace. So because he held on to God's word, he kept on digging. At least they will leave me one day. I don't know how God will do it. But because he said, I should remain here and he will bless me. So he continued holding on to God's word and applying wisdom. I get it. So it's like the parable of the sower that went to sow the, the word. Bible says some people did not keep the word well well. It said the birds of the air came to take it away. So the word that the Jehovah spoke to Isaac, he hid it so much in his heart. In the day of adversity, it was that word that kept him going. What are you doing? Clap for this man. So if we remember Jehovah's word and we put the right value he says I will bless you in this land and God had done it in the first time that he sold and he ripped a thousandfold and God says still stay there something is going to happen so it was not out of hey you know some people if they took minister Collins one million now he's tall and he has muscle like this if he doesn't fight some people will say you see all your muscle all your height I say now nah, water you know he fights he knows a big fight you know but what kept the man was not his inability to fight. He had a lot of servants. He could take them on, but he realized that that was not the will of God. And if God said it, he will do it. If he promised it, he will make it good. You know, the scripture says God makes all things beautiful what? in its time we will get there in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ a round of applause for awesome again you know so let me ask you what word has God given you that you have abandoned in the face of herdsmen making trouble for you what what word has God given you that tiredness whilst you're waiting has made you go to the counterfeit Isaac, so I thought Isaac was just peaceful. Maybe he was peaceful. I can't tell from this text. But one thing I can tell is that he held on to God's word. That no matter what happens, I'm going to end in Rehoboth. Wow. And I want to challenge somebody. Go back to the word God has given you. It says, I will not speak something and will return to me void. He has exalted his word even above his name. He watches over his word to perform it. The only difference is your timing. You see, a lot of us want God to act according to our own timing. Is that not so? And as long as it's not happening within the time frame that I want, I, I convince myself it's not God. But Isaac was not so. Let's hear her. Come on. Give her the microphone. Anita. Encourage her. Encourage her with a hand clap. Praise the Lord. I actually want to talk about Job. Job went through. Job was going through a process. Yeah. And a lot of people, you know, he lost a lot of things. And, you know, along the way, 
Even his wife told him, curse the Lord. But, you know, curse, why curse God and die? But, you know, he, he was going through a process. But he saw the finish line, which was Jesus. You know, he saw the finish line. So the finish line to the boat was Jesus Christ, where, which, which God actually rewarded him of whatever he lost. Gave him like two or, you know, three times. So sometimes, you know, in our, in our lives, whatever we go to, we go to challenges. So, you know, disappointment, there's... there's um, there's praise the Lord. There is um, um, if the, even a, a straight road can have can have you can have um, going to a journey for a journey. You yeah. can have uh, maybe roadblock or something like that. Yeah, you know, yeah. you can have a delay. It's like every disappointment is a blessing. So he saw, you know, he saw what the process. People that were going through that process, going with him to that process. So he saw, he saw, he saw the reports. He saw the finish line. He saw God. Because he had insights of what was happening. So let me understand you that Job was able to stay the journey. His friends judged him. His wife told him to curse God. Yes. He must have been seeing the finish yes. line in his heart. Yes. yes. Now, if he didn't protect that picture in his heart, he too would have given up. Yes. You know, Job should have even attacked his friends. Yes. That if you can't help me, get out of here. Yes. When his wife said, curse God and die. Do you know, all Job said is that you speak as a foolish man. He didn't insult her. So we need to let our nature as Nigerians become born again. So that we don't react so violently in every street. That's a good place for you to clap for me. If you are going to allow the word of God. You know, can I tell you, a round of applause for Anita, please, please. You know, sometimes we don't even want to fight. You know why we fight? So they won't call us Momo. They say, Isaac, you see they dig well? The one way they collect for you, you, you never collect back. Say, you, your mumu too much. Oh. Is that how they put it? No, your mumu is something. No, tell me. I won't. Your mumu never do. Somebody give me another one. I've heard those things now. You, you, you know, people will provoke you by the way they would, the terminology they will give your situation. You say your mumu too much. Your mumu na master's degree. PhD mumu. So the moment you hear that, you want to show that you are not a mumu. So we must be careful who we lend our ears to. So when we're going on the road to, to uh, Rehoboth, one of the things that will happen is that people will say things to incite us. Do you know in the place of Moses trying to oversettle a matter, that's how he killed somebody. But for him to kill somebody, he must have used quite a considerable amount of force. So sometimes, just because something is not working, don't force it. And just because people are going to call you Momo, didn't they call Jesus Momo? I really have to celebrate. Can we celebrate Isaac for not responding to aggravation? You know, how many of us can suffer wrong? Bible says, he that overlooks a transgression is greater than he that taketh a city. Nigerians can't overlook a wrong. Anything we answer, and we think that's what makes us sharp. It can be so outside the church, but in church it ought not to be so. Glory to God. What about bitterness? Somebody slapped you the first time. That's what he did now by digging on that wall. They slapped the second one too. I, di I didn't think anybody would slap the second one, but they took the second well. 
Even if you allow somebody to slap the first one, and you allow them to slap the second one, even if you don't fight, won't you end in bitterness? You know, some people have forgiven some people on that because the pastor said you don't do. No, 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 we'll excommunicate if you don't settle this matter. You force yourself to forgive, but you're still bitter. The person is praying, you won't say amen. The person is celebrating. You pretend that you're looking at your watch. How did Isaac do it that he didn't go into bitterness? You know how bitterness operates? By the time he got a well, he'll go and show off for them. Say, I don't get well now. How many of you can walk away from that? You know, the Bible says, do not avenge yourself. Because vengeance is mine, said the Lord. He was not a momo. He could fight. It's not that it didn't cost him a lot. It cost him a lot. It's not that he was not entitled to. It was his father's well. It was the land that God told him to say. And yet, he did not end up in bitterness. You know what bitterness does? Bitterness spoils everything. It's very hard to deliver somebody from bitterness. You look at you. Have you met bitter people before? There's nothing you say. They don't hear you. And you see bitter people, they don't look nice. Their face is always hard. And after a while, they begin to have wrinkles. Bitterness is like you drinking poison and telling your enemy to die. Bitterness is like you drinking poison and it's thinking your enemy will die. Anybody that is bitter is the one that got the short end of the deal. There's no record that Isaac was bitter. Not at all. The psalmist said, Oh my soul, why are you cast down within me? There is a place where you will encourage yourself because the road is hard. It doesn't seem to be working. People are criticizing. My soul is downcast. You have to admit. Jesus says, my heart, Jesus said, I guess my heart is heavy unto death. And my grief is so extreme. He, he was playing about it. And the psalmist says, my heart, why are you cast down? He says, hope again in God. After you have told God how you feel, go back to what God wants you to do. And I want to talk about encouragers. One encourager is like a thousand soldiers. Just somebody to encourage you. When you are really down and somebody comes to encourage you, you put so much value to it. In fact, many victories come because somebody gave you encouragement, not because you were strong. And I want to recruit people into the ministry of encouragers. I know there are prayer warriors here. I know there are people that are evangelists. I know there are people that go to prisons. I'm happy about for you, all of you, but I need some people to lift up their hand and say, I will agree to be an encourager. The days of being a critique they're enough. Uh, judging people, that's enough. They we're never called to the ministry of judging. We're never called to the ministry of criticizing. But the Bible says, encouraging one another as we see the day approaching. How many of us will decide, I will be an encourager? I will not allow the devil to recruit me. 
like Job's wife, to tell people to curse God and die. I will never do that. I will speak a kind word. The Bible says what is expected from man is kindness. What is expected from a man is kindness. Kindness is not what you deserve. Kindness is what you give. Listen, reward is what you deserve. Kindness is not a reward. Kindness is a gift. For you to be an encourager, you must be kind-hearted. There's somebody so close to Rehoboth now, but they're so discouraged. If only one person will be an angel and encourage that person. Encouragement. How many of you have ever had somebody encourage you before? I have. It's like cold water when you've been in the, in the desert for two days without water. It just gets to your soul. May God bless all the encouragers. May God make us encouragers in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I tell you something? Let me read to you Proverbs 27 and verse 17. Proverbs 27 and verse 17. You see, an encourager. Hi. Bible says an angel came encouraging Jesus. Another translation says an angel came strengthening him. Another translation says an angel came refreshing him. You see, that's all those things are contained in the ministry of encouragement. The Bible says, Aha, as iron sharpens iron, listen to this, so a man, a good man, sharpens the countenance of his friend. Countenance talks about your demeanor, the state of your spirit. How many of you have been tired in your soul? You know what an encourager does? He restores your soul. Ooh, powerful. Give me the contemporary English version of this scripture. I need someone to sharpen my countenance. It says, just as iron sharpens iron, friends sharpen the minds of each other. Because where you're going, you need to be sharp. And life has dulled your sensitivity, dulled your faith, dulled your strength. Somebody comes along to encourage you and sharpens you. Glory to God. Give me the new contemporary version of the Bible, NCV. Give me new contemporary As iron sharpens iron, so people, read me, so people can improve each other. You know, sometimes, can I tell you the worst part? Satan is so wicked, you're almost there. That's when you want to turn back. And somebody says, no, don't. Just try for another day. And the next step you take, bam, you're, in, you're there. Supposing the person didn't speak up. And you know, for you to be an encourager, you have to make time for people. Some of us are too busy with our lives. You're always in a hurry. For you to help somebody, you have to slow down. Can you help me tell anybody, please slow down because of me. God is going to bless you. And how many of you know that the ministry of the encourager is a ministry that God rewards? Seriously. Minister Lake, want to say something. Give him the microphone. Can you encourage him, please? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Um, I have a personal story that ties in everything we've said from beginning to end. Today is a very special day for me because uh, a project I and one of my aunties embarked on five years ago. Five so the, years? Five years. Finally got a global recognition today. 
we, we are working on a, an online TV show that was aired on Channels TV globally today. In 2016, when we started, it was self-funded, self-run. We ran 76 episodes by ourselves, carrying equipment. For the past two years, we started recording finally 2018. So for the past two years, it's 2018. I'm sure this person person is hearing about this. Till, <coughs> till now, I can't remember how many Fridays I slept. Because you're editing to release next morning. And you pay for data to promote and everything. Now, talking about the road to Royal Boat, 2016 to 2021 is five long years. We had people that wanted to interview that would look at our YouTube channel and say that our numbers were too small. That their personality, that it will hurt their personality. So you could talk about the bitterness coming from there. There are many times I didn't feel like carrying any cameras or driving into my car over Todd Milan Bridge three times a week to record, driving traffic and everything to come back to edit. It was crazy. For five years. For five years. Now, when we talk about encouraging, it was just today my auntie told me that lately, if not for you, this wouldn't have happened. And why did she say that? The day I drove to her house, because we had 2016, 2018, there was always something that we couldn't start. So I just drove to the house that day and said, auntie, get upstairs, change, we're recording today. If you don't do that, I'm not living here. She was like, what's wrong with you? I said, okay, this is my house. I'm not going anywhere. So we recorded a two-minute video just to wish people have happy new year. She told me today, and this were her words, Said, Leke, what you don't know is that I turned 50 in 20, uh, 2018 when you came. And I said to myself, I'm too old for this dream to happen again. And just that same day, I called that I was in her house. She said that when she saw the recording, that was what encouraged her to actually go for it. And we're able to record 76 episodes over two years. Many disappointments of confidentiality there are some things i cannot say but some stations actually use us to do wash and basing and then when channels came on board to the glory of god it was such a miraculous thing that instead of us paying to be on channels they were going to cover our own production cost and today they aired one, the first episode. It's, so it's a contract with them. They aired the first episode today. And what I'm trying to say is that none of us saw this happening that to get to this point. But we kept digging. We kept digging. There were times that we'll go and record and the entire footage, whether it's the devil or something, will get corrupted. There are so many things happen along the way. But what I'm just trying to do today to encourage is that if you stick to it, Provided God has told you that he's in it. If you stick to it, everything that pastor is saying about the formula is real. It's real. And my testimony is proof that it's real. if you stick to it, trust me, it will come to fruition. And then this is the last part and the funny part. My aunt told me that between yesterday when they started the program and today when they showed the program, more than five people that told us our platform was too small for them. Called her and said that they now that they would like to be 
on the show now because they saw that well success has many friends <laughs> so the truth of the matter is that this topic about having a formula on the road to royal board we all need it and everything encouragement bitterness dealing with that tenacity trust me it will get you there praise the lord Our time is gone today. I'm going to ask you to stand and let us pray. You may sit down if you don't feel that you're on the road to your own Rehoboth. But if you're here, you sense that you're on the road to Rehoboth, and now you understand that it being tough does not mean you're a failure. It being tough does not mean God is not with you. I want you to lift up your hand to God and just first thank him that, Lord, you kept me. I'm closer to my Rehoboth than when I started. But Harrison said, between you and anything significant, there will be giants in your path. Problems and confrontations will come. Disappointments will come. You will get tired. You want to quit. But just lift up your hand to God and say, Lord, thank you. I made it here today. Today is an encouragement for me that I have not missed it. Today I receive a refreshing by the word of God. Today I choose to be encouraged. Rehoboth is a place where you will succeed, where you will prosper, where it will come together. Father, surely you will help us to get there. Surely you will raise encouragers for us. Surely we ourselves be encouragers for many. The Bible talks about Sarah that she, she judged God faithful. I want you to pray to God and say, Lord, by what I have heard today, the formula to win, one of it is to trust God. That the good work he has started, even though she was way past childbearing age. She judged God faithful. I want you to say, Lord, against everything my senses are saying to me, I judge you faithful that you will do it. If you did it for Sarah, if you did it for Isaac, you will do it for me. Bible says, but faith, Sarah herself also received the strength to conceive. Ooh, seen and she bore a child when she was past the age, way past the age because, only because she judged God faithful who had promised Father we come today saying yes the road is tough we're learning from Jesus who let an angel come to encourage him we're learning from Joseph who did not become bitter against the, the butler and, and Potiphar. We're learning not to ignite like the average Nigerian. Just holding on to the word of God. That he that promised, he will perform it. Thank you for strength for the rest of the journey. Thank you because our destiny will not be aborted. Thank you because those that laughed at us will come and laugh with us. Thank you for everyone saying amen today that we may rejoice together very soon. That the road to Rehoboth will not be our undoing. It will be the bridge between where we used to be and where we ought to be to the glory of God. We thank you for this winning formulas, the counsel that comes from God. We hide them in our heart. We activate them and we will 
get there very soon to the glory of God in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen and amen. If you have been blessed this evening, help me celebrate the God who takes us through and gets us there. Glory be to God.